Well, good morning. We are thankful that you are with us this morning for your attendance, for the opportunity to encourage one another, not only in our fellowship, which is important, but even in our worship together. We appreciate that opportunity and are glad that you have chosen to be here this morning. And we would mention again, invite you to stay uh, for lunch. We do have plenty of hot dogs. Uh, there are a few extra fixings and things on the side, although hot dogs are the main course. So somebody said yesterday, if you don't like hot dogs, then you're not going to hurt our feelings and you don't have to stay. But uh, if you don't mind a few hot dogs, and there will be some fellowship uh, and time together in, in just a few moments in, in lunch. Uh, but we are grateful that you are here and certainly for a few moments to encourage ourselves in the study of God's word. You know, I'm a, a college basketball fan, a sports fan, and this week on ESPN, they call it Feast Week. We've begun Feast Week. Now, they mean that because, of course, they're going to show a million college basketball games over the next uh, few days, but it is Feast Week for many of us. We hope that if you are going to be traveling over the next few days that you have a safe time and a safe travel. Hope that you have a good few days with your family. Maybe that you find yourself to at least one or two feasts with your family and enjoy that time together. Uh, and that that is beneficial to you. Yesterday was a great day for us. Uh, Heath gave us a few details. We are certainly thankful to all who helped, even if you just offered up money to help buy some things or uh, if you prayed, uh, if you weren't able to be here, that's all right. We are just simply thankful for every part that every person played because as many of us who were able to be here yesterday saw, it takes everyone uh, doing every num any number of things to uh, get that kind of event accomplished. There were lots of folks who were very grateful uh, for that. And as we have mentioned to you, we are looking to do more things like that in the future uh, and for our community to get to know the folks there. And it was just a really, really great day. When the Son of God stood on the side of a mountain and began to deliver what many believe to be and consider to be one of the greatest sermons ever delivered, near the beginning, before maybe before everyone started dozing off, you know, even if they did during those days, but, but near the beginning of that great lesson, while he still had their attention towards the front, he offered up some words that I believe even today echo across time, if you will. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I believe, it's my opinion, that if the Lord had been able to jump forward 2,000 or so years for information and for advice and then offer up to that mountainside crowd, thereby him a visual aid, he could very, very easily have easily have chosen a picture of the Saudi Church of Christ. Now, I don't want you to hurt your shoulder, hurt patting yourself on the back, or we don't need any swelled heads up so big that we can't get you out of the buildings here in the building here in just a few moments. But what took place yesterday here at this building, and what's taken place at this building over the years, and even downtown for many years, is what I believe a picture of what Jesus intended for people to see. In those verses, it's like we oftentimes joke that if you open up the dictionary, that is the picture that would be by that word. Then I think if he were looking for a picture of what he was describing in those verses, it would be a congregation such as this. The salt of the earth, the light of the world, and all glory given to the Father above. We got a few pictures that came out of yesterday. The one that I kept getting over and over again was the knucklehead standing around the cotton candy machine. I decided not to use that one. So we did figure out how to run a cotton candy machine yesterday. Uh, and there's a lot of cotton candy handed out in the end. A thankful community. A thankful congregation alongside the organizations and groups that want to help a community be thankful for the many blessings in this life. A thankful community. 
We are thankful to our elders for seeing this opportunity here. We're thankful to our fearless leader, as we so often affectionately call her, for her coordination and guidance. And to all of you, every member who offered up time and money and every effort to see to it that an event like this is successful. I get a little skittish at times, a little nervous. I'm wondering if we're going to have enough, if everybody's going to be here, if we're going to make everyone flow through uh, great and things are going to go smoothly or if it's all going to be in a panic. But it was. It was wonderful. Everything went very well, and we're thankful for that. It's that time of year where thankfulness is at the forefront of our minds. It's why I think part of the title of this is a thankful community. We may do it later. We may rename it. We may leave it the same. But we're thankful for the things that we have And so as I was thinking about that and considering the lesson, even not knowing what would happen yesterday and how smooth or unsmooth it would go, a thankful community for us yesterday was made up of our community, of people all being involved. But as I thought about making application to us, and even in this feast week where we're getting ready to hopefully pause for a few moments and be thankful for the blessings that we have, This morning, we want to spend just a few moments and take a look at some other people, of course, just outside of of folks with a name, but, but types of people or maybe attitudes. But this morning, we want to take a look at some other people who might make up a thankful community. First of all, this morning, and very simply, hungry people give thanks. Now, I have a small confession there that... Bill has always told me that he tries to guess what the blanks are going to be, and I thought I might get him with this one, okay? I don't know if you would guess that hungry would be one of the points uh, of the lesson this morning, but I was thinking about the types of people who give thanks. Hungry people give thanks, very simply, and in case you were not aware, and many of you are, it is absolutely biblical. In Acts chapter 27, in verse number 35, Paul has been traveling around and he's been arrested and on those trials that we talked about earlier in the year. And he's about to be shipwrecked. He's already been through so many things. But in Acts 27 and verse number 35, the Bible records for us. And when he had said these things, that's Paul there. He took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, they or he began to eat. So the idea of hungry people Giving thanks is absolutely biblical, not just from the the standpoint of Paul, though, but certainly of Jesus. We know that he did it there as he talks about, it talks about him instituting the Lord's Supper. But even in Matthew chapter 15 in verse number 36, now this is, according to the Gospels, the account of the feeding of the 4,000, not the 5,000 that we're typically uh, familiar with and refer to. But in Matthew chapter 15 in verse number 36, he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks broke them and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. Hungry people oftentimes give thanks. We give thanks often when we pause, hopefully, to sit down and to eat a meal. We give thanks for the blessings that we have received. Oftentimes, just very simply, for the physical things that are in front of us are around us, and we absolutely, 100% should be that way. Count your many blessings is one of the songs that we sing. And the question is, is, is even when we sing that, we kind of think about it for just a few moments while we're singing it, but have we really done that? Is there enough paper, even in the notebook that you may have at home, to list all of those things? And of course, the challenge that I would offer up to you is, could you do it this week? Could you do it today? Could you sit down for a few moments and make a list, a thankful list? Because you know, we could begin first and foremost with air. 
We have to have air to breathe, the sunshine and the rain that we have, clothing, a roof over our heads. And when you really break it down to all of the many, many physical blessings that we have, it would take page after page. It may seem somewhat silly and you may think, well, that that wouldn't benefit me. But to sit down and really count your blessings and to write them down would encourage us to think about these physical things that we have, not just when we're hungry, but certainly when we think about how we've been blessed. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1, Paul would write to Timothy and he would say, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We're going to see throughout the lesson and all of our our four main points that Paul continues to live this lifestyle with everything that he does in the good and in the bad. And we'll come to that in just a moment. But he says, I want to give thanks that men would give thanks. A thankful community is made up of people who are first thankful for their many physical blessings. Yes, hopefully we as hungry people give thanks, but even maybe not just before a meal, But even as we go through our day, that we pause and give thanks for the blessings that we have, even in a physical way. Number two this morning, hurting people give thanks. Hurting people give thanks for even in painful situations, there are blessings. Now, for some of us, this is where the family comes in this week. Because sometimes our families hurt us and sometimes we hurt our families. Sometimes those are the ones who can hurt us the most. We talked in our class this morning for a few moments about the idea from the book of Jude of treason. We said that's one of the most hurtful forms of pain because it's from the inside. We we get when somebody down the road hurts our feelings or says something about us, but when it's from the inside, it really, really hurts. And maybe this is where our family sometimes comes in. And even in the thought process of what we're getting ready to go through in the next few days is more than likely most of us will be around our family. Hurting people give thanks. Even in those painful situations, Paul would write to those in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18, in everything give thanks. If we're not careful, we can read right through that and not consider the implications in everything give thanks in the sunshine and in the rain, in the good times and in the times of hurt. Paul would write to those in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17. We know verse 16 very often, but verse 17, And whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, okay, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything that we go through, it is absolutely easy to give thanks when things are going well, to count your blessings when you feel good about life, But hurting people should give thanks as well. It's possible this morning that you are hurting. That some of us here are hurt in one form or another. Hurt even by our loved ones. But be thankful for what you do have. Even if it is not at its best. Be willing to forgive. Be willing to be responsible for what you might have done to cause hurt to someone else. And in all of these things, give thanks. It's tough because many times we, this is where we want to lash out at God, where we want to blame others for things the way that we feel. And maybe someone has harmed us or hurt us, but we can still give thanks to God for the pain that we feel, for hopefully that will cause us to correct that. 
It's kind of like some people say, you know, one of the, the worst things that maybe a person can be afflicted with is the idea that they don't have the nerves, or that they don't feel the pain. Because when you grab a hold of that hot iron or grab a hold of that stove, you don't feel anything. Yet your skin is beginning uh, to be burned and you're beginning to have something that's going to cause you lots of trouble. We can be thankful that we feel hurt and pain for that should give us an opportunity to correct things. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, Paul would write, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, there's a little little phrase there, within a few commas, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and make sure you throw in there the thanksgiving. Some of you have been through classes or, or classes here, or various things where we talk about offering up a prayer that we should praise God and we should make supplication and ask for things, but we should also take time to give thanks. That's at all times. If you turn to Philippians 4 there, you know this passage because Paul's encouragement later in this chapter, Philippians 4, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that is born out of realizing that this attitude comes from whatever state I am in. I can do all things through Christ, realizing that wherever I am, whether it's good or bad, I can be content in whatever. And again, you go backwards in that chapter, all the way back up to verse number 6, and in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. A thankful community is made up of hurt people even. Hurt people hopefully continue to give thanks for for the pain should help us correct things in our life. And we should be thankful to God that we do have family and friends. That we do have opportunities to hurt so that it can be corrected. Because above all, the pain and the hurt that we feel in this lifetime is taken care of by the great physician. By a God and Father who loved us enough to send His Son. His love and His care, the blood of Jesus, it transcends all the other things that hurt us in this lifetime. But we have to recognize that oftentimes. Not shake our fists, not curse God and die, but be thankful. Because even hurting people give thanks. Number three, grateful people give thanks. Now this is the obvious one that you might think, and and hear me out as we kind of go through this for just a moment, but grateful people give thanks. Have you ever noticed that God never says thank you? Have you ever thought about that? I actually read this somewhere, and I wanted to use it in the lesson because it kind of struck me the same way. Have you ever noticed that nowhere in the Bible does God say thank you? That's not meant to be in a negative light. That's not meant to take a shot at God, but what can you really give to him who owns everything? I mean, nothing, right? We say that at Christmas time sometimes. What am I going to get my spouse? They've got everything. What do you get the person who's got everything? You get them nothing. So God is actually really neither thankful nor unthankful because he doesn't need anything. He owns everything. He doesn't have to celebrate Thanksgiving. The Bible doesn't record him saying thank you to us. But the thought that comes from that naturally flows that the words thank you then are reserved for the lips of those who have been given something. The words thank you are to those of us who have been given blessings, the church and God's children. And yes, even if a person is here and not faithful or a member of the church, or even for those who have chosen not to be here this morning or attend church services anywhere, even they can say thank you because they have been blessed with material blessings, with life and with breath. Grateful people give thanks then for what they have received, for the gifts that have been given, 
There's one instance that we usually think of in Scripture. It's Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, and the whole passage is verses 11 through 19. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. But it's really in verse number 16. You recall this as the story of the ten lepers. There are ten lepers who are cleansed. And Christ cleanses them, heals them in verse number 14. And so in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave thanks, glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet in verse 16, giving thanks, giving him thanks. And he was, Luke records for us, a Samaritan. Now, for those of you who are studied in Scripture, understand the importance of that little addition there, that it's more than just a Jew, but it's a, a Samaritan here who's giving thanks. But this is the one instance that we usually point to, a person who has received something who is giving thanks, who is grateful. Uh, and, of course, we can make the comparison here. We could talk about leprosy and how, how terrible it was and how much of an outcast they were. And it was a terrible, awful thing. But grateful people give thanks, even for the little things in life. Paul would talk about that in Romans chapter 16 and verses 3 and 4. Towards the end of that letter, Paul would write and he would say, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And what does he say there? Have you ever noticed this? Romans 16, 3 and 4, greet Aquila and Priscilla. Why? They are fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Why? Because they risked their own necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Paul gives us this real life example of people who have helped him. And not just given him $5, not just even prayed for him. But he says that Aquila and Priscilla have risked their own necks, put their life on the line for him. And he is grateful, eternally grateful because he has been given something. He's been given an opportunity to continue to do the work because he's not dead, because they have supported him. He is grateful for what he has been blessed with. And he writes again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4, this same kind of concept that he would do in so many of his letters. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 4. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. And he says in verse 3, he continues on, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. What helped Paul go on? What helped him to be thankful? It was being grateful for the people who had blessed him. He says, and he doesn't give the detail, but he might could have. Risking their necks, offering up money, praying for him, helping him travel. He simply says here, your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope. But I can only imagine what that begins to touch on for what they would do for him. You may not be at your best right now. Life may not be as great as you want it to be. You might be more in the hurting category that we talked about a few moments ago. But what can you be grateful for? I'm thankful for this group of people right here. As I said, I, I joke about patting ourselves on the back. I don't, don't mean it that way, but we are. I am thankful for what this group can accomplish. And again, as Paul would even write to those in, in Philippi, Philippians 1.3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And he goes on to say there, for your fellowship in the gospel, the fellowship of all that we do and all that we can accomplish together. In a world 
that is filled with hatefulness, divisiveness, bitterness, and strife, would you be thankful? Would you be grateful for the little things that life sometimes provides us? Hungry people give thanks, maybe in a sense for the physical blessings. I kind of separated it out as grateful people give thanks for the things and the opportunities that we've been blessed with, the people that we have been blessed to know, those opportunities that connect us, the like precious faith that we even talked about last Sunday night as we talked about Peter's words, those, that tie that binds, that common love brings us together, and we should be grateful for that. And then fourth and finally this morning, and then the lesson will be yours, redeemed people give thanks. Redeemed people give thanks. Maybe it is nowhere better summed up but in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Paul writes to those in Corinth, thanks, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Depending on the version that you're looking at in front of you, you may see inexpressible. You may see unspeakable. We could probably list a whole lot of other adjectives for Paul to say, I cannot even begin to touch the hem of the garment and explain to you how thankful I am to God for this gift. He would write backwards sort of for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Redeemed people give thanks. You know, when I think about the things that we were able to do yesterday, and again, even going backward to the downtown encouragement and the other day of carryings that you all have been a part of here, those physical needs that we're able to meet are wonderful. When we sat around yesterday at the end of the day and we talked about some of the stories and things that we had heard and the people, how they'd expressed thanks to us and, and how encouraging it was, it was great. It was wonderful. But if we had a million dollars if we could pay every bill, if we could buy every coat, if we could buy meals and supply products for everyone that came through those doors, what we can't do, we can't do, what I can't do is save their souls. There's nothing that I can do in and of myself to stand in their place or even that I could do in and of myself to save them before God. But what we can do is share the one person who can. To share that saving power of the gospel. When Paul writes in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, that is what we can do. If we had a million dollars, we could pay every bill and buy every child a coat, and that would be wonderful. But it doesn't mean anything if we can't help them understand what it means to be redeemed, to be a saved person, to be right in the sight of God. We absolutely should be meeting physical needs and we should absolutely, as we have opportunity, be trying to meet spiritual needs as well. Have you stopped to give thanks lately for simply salvation? I mean, it's great that you pause before when you're hungry, before you eat. It's great that you maybe pause and give thanks for your family. But have you stopped to give thanks simply for salvation? Have you stopped to give thanks for salvation without asking for anything else? Because that's what we'll do oftentimes. We'll say thanks for the salvation, but here's my laundry list of other things that I need from you, God. Just thank you, God, for this indescribable gift. The Lord said it this way in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We weren't going to be able to save everyone that we talked to yesterday. Certainly not yesterday. But as we thought about making opportunities and, and opening doors to talk to people, what we are after is the opportunity to help people come to know the saving power 
of the blood of Christ. Redeemed people give thanks. They give thanks for the peace that passeth all understanding. Again, Philippians 4 there, as Paul talks about giving thanks in everything. Redeemed people give thanks for the peace, the peace of God, the peace of the blood of the Lamb. That's a thankful community to me. And as we begin to conclude our thoughts, you can set your Bibles aside if you would, and, and we'll be prepared to sing here in just a moment. You see, what we have is a community. When I look around this room, what I see here is a community of people. So let's go through our list one more time here again. Now, probably right now, some of you are hungry, and I can help you get closer to that in just a moment, all right? Hold on. Some of you are hungry, and I hope that you give thanks. And we've asked David to give thanks in just a moment when he leads our closing prayer. But some of you are hurting. And I hope that through the difficult time, through the strained relationships, the hurt feelings, the despair, the sorrow, and the grief, that you can find a moment to give thanks. Thanks for what you do have. Thanks to the God of heaven who said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Thanks for the pain that allows us to see when we can make things better and improve upon things. I hope that some of you are grateful as a part of this community. Grateful for the blessings you do have. God has blessed so many of us beyond measure. I, I mean, we could sit here and go through and we'd spend a whole week listing the blessings that we have. And I hope that you pause at least once this week, but at least maybe ever so often outside of just this week, outside of the fourth week of November, more than that, just to give him thanks. And even this morning, as part of this community, some of you are redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And yet, even as we are gathered here in this community this morning, some of you are not. You can't give thanks for something that you don't have. As we said, God's not thankful because he doesn't need anything. And some of us are not thankful because we don't have that redemption offered. Would you come to him? Would you accept that gift by obeying his commands? Having your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, you can be in a place of peace and hope even this day. And yet for others of you who have been redeemed but have strayed from the faith, would you make your life right with God? Would you, through confession, repentance, and prayer, be restored to a relationship with him? Would you make a change in your life, even now as we stand together and as we sing?